for me, the CLG Red and Dignitas girls were the role models for me. And I want to be the next generation of that. I want to be a good role model to girls and, you know, just to everyone that, like, you can compete. Like, you can get in the scene. Hey gamers, let's have some fun! Welcome to the Pony Pod's newest series, Change the Game. I'm your host, Saki Tang. We'll cover all things esports and gaming related, from business to education to the ladders of competitive gameplay and more. We're all here to do just one thing, and that one thing is to change the game. Change the Game highlights those in the esports and gaming industry who are ultimately evolving the world of esports as we know it. It's not just one person expanding the universe of it all, but it's the power and talent of everyone coming together to create a whole new world. For today's episode, it's going to be a little bit different than usual. For the first, we brought on an esports organization investor from FACE who is also a professor here at SMU, David Chen, who also goes by Panda. Panda, Panda, Panda. For the second episode, we brought on the past SMU esports president who is also a cosplayer and takes her time playing video games to study her next attire. Hi, my name is Anna Iorio. I graduated spring 22 from SMU. Now, with these one-on-ones, it can get a little bit deep, but I thought why not bring three other people and maybe a co-host onto the scene. You hear them, you know them, you see them all around in the Valorant Game Changers scene. I'm joined here today by my co-host Callie, who's also a journalist running a news aggregator in the female and non-binary Valorant scene. Hi, I'm Callie, uh, also known as, or well, some people know me as GC Reporter. Uh, I am a somewhat print reporter um focused on game changers um mostly north america trying to expand but yeah right now valorant is a popular game people have been playing that involves different agents with abilities it's also an fps game next up we have two players and one coach these game changers will initially be answering the question of how they got into valorant on today's episode, we have Starry Bun, who is a content creator and in-game leader for teams she has played previously on, like Xset and Generators. So I actually came from CSGO, and I heard the rumors that Riot was going to be releasing a new FPS game. And I like the way Riot does their games. I am a big fan of League of Legends. So I knew when Valorant was going to come out, I knew I wanted to make the Switch. So when Valorant went into beta, I watched as many streams as I can to get a beta key and then I just started playing from there. Lacey is an 18-year-old professional Valorant player who plays for Complexity GX3. She also loves volleyball, so she brings her skills and mindset of sports into esports. Um, I, had, I didn't really like know a lot about video games before Valorant, uh, but like during COVID, I got like injured playing volleyball and I was in bed a lot. Um, and I started watching like Pokimane and she started streaming uh, like Valorant when the beta came out and I kind of wanted to try it and I got I got pretty addicted. Okay, yeah, I wanted to speak a little bit about Pokimane because her name, you know, she's very popular. She always comes up and she has a huge impact on the whole streaming community. Did she have an impact on you in any way, Lacey? Yeah, I mean, she's like obviously super like uh, inspirational and like, um, super out there as like a woman in in the gaming scene and I don't know she definitely like uh, gave me confidence to start like playing games because I never really like experimented with any games before I started watching her I guess. Last but not least we have Cryf. Cryf used to play Valorant professionally but found that coaching was more up her alley. While studying and analyzing games she brings this knowledge into her casting for tournaments. 
You know what? It all started with the COVID pandemic, which was sort of the root of how a lot of esports in general became an influx of. You know, you trace it back to those original roots of the pandemic, and it's it's been a good ride, I'd say, especially for me, who's come in as a coach finally, and I've um, really just came through through my uh, previous partner, actually, which is a very funny story. And he got me onto the game. We had started playing day and night through the lockdown, and eventually, I was just like so devoted to this. I think I switched over to the the true devotion of it in, uh, I'd like to say June 2021, where I just completely swapped into analytical mindset, just full on. I had just hit like a mortal two, and I was ready to go for it in analysis. I felt like playing didn't fit right with me, so then I just went forward from there, and it was just such a great experience. Now, we're all wondering, how is everyone here changing the game, especially in the Game Changers scene? Well, stay tuned and find out for yourself. This podcast gets juicy. Kind of going on this initiative, uh, the, the Game Changers initiative, just asking, like, when when did you find out about Game Changers and kind of what were your initial thoughts about it? Uh, I <laughs> guess I can start. Um, so I, I started, like, Iron One, so I didn't really know anything about competitive, but... Um, as I got better, I like uh, started meeting like more people, and uh, I decided that I kind of wanted to like branch out into like a team play environment, right? Because I, I really liked playing with my friends and like playing uh, with like a full stack instead of just like solo queuing all that stuff. And I actually ended up meeting like uh, my current manager and former teammate, uh, Ally Monster, in when she was like smurfing in one of my like gold games, and and she kind of like brought me into like a more competitive environment and like pushed me to like join a team right and i found out about like the game changer circuit and it seemed like a, a good place to start at least where you know you don't have to like really feel all the judgment and stuff that comes with with playing as like a girl um so yeah it was i'm definitely super grateful for it and i'm grateful for uh, ally monster for pushing me to start competing i actually didn't find out about it until quite later on to most people which is a little bit of a shock to a few um i pretty much had started in the vct collegiate scene um, roughly with, you know, Niner Esports, UNC Charlotte, and a few other general teams in EMEA that were just getting into the VCT scene. Unfortunately, a few of those did disband, but it was a great stepping stone. And I think Game Changers came early 2022, maybe even late 2022. I think it was about May 2022-ish that I'd figured it out. And it was such a blessing to come into such an inclusive scene that really provides the right exposure for all players, coaching staff. It, it's been a great, you know, trek so far. So obviously I came from Counter-Strike and they already kind of had their own kind of like game changer scene there, but there was only mainly two teams that always dominated and it was CLG Red and Dignitas. And when I first made the switch to Valorant, um, I found out on Twitter that they were going to make game changers tournaments and I was kind of interested in competing. I was dating someone at the time who was a competitor so he kind of really inspired me to like take that route into competing. But when Valorant released their Game Changers tournament, the prize pool was so much bigger than the ones that Counter-Strike really ever had done. And there was like a lot more opportunities. So that's kind of how I found out about Game Changers. And my first impression of it was I thought it was great. I thought it was like super inclusive. There was so many girls who signed up for that first tournament. And it gave me so much hope for the scene because I feel like in Counter-Strike, you only ever got like six to eight teams max to sign up for these tournaments. But when Game Changers released, it was like 30, 40 teams like signing up right off the bat. And that 
like difference is so huge and it really made me want to like get into competing seriously and like make a name for myself. And I feel like that's what I love about Valorant, how inclusive they actually are. And when you hop into a game on Valorant, it's like, oh, there's three girls on your team instead of just yourself. And you're afraid to actually communicate because I know a lot of girls in the scene or like just people who play in general, they're just afraid to talk because of what people are going to say to them, like telling them that they're bad or like, the stereotypical, you know, go back to the kitchen type thing. You know what? I'll I'll give it a crack. I'll give yeah. it a crack because I I've been in both two scenes, and from what I've significantly noticed, the VCT, you know, pattern is just like it's all guys, and that's it. Playing on one team. That's how the stigma has been for all this time. Like mixed teams have not really had the exposure that they like should have or deserve. And coming into Game Changer, just seeing how amazing the space is, how many teams are signing up, like Starry had mentioned, just generally speaking as well, to have so many teams, whether they are pug rosters or established organizations, all coming together, even just playing for fun and being able to build those connections in Game Changers, I think the connections are the biggest part in comparison to the VCT teams. Like both sides to the esports industry in Valorant have their benefits and consequences. But namely, Game Changers has just become this very inspiring environment to be able to be in. And it's great to provide exposure as well to, you know, anyone who needs to learn about, um, you know, women in gaming more. You know, it's been this sort of stereotype that has existed, whether in the shadows or in the fronts, for quite a few years across video games. And I think just thinking about that as well, it's going to be important to try and, you know, get that message put out there to anyone who's considering you know what's the point of this why are women in gaming it's it's a message that is like not right but it's something that you can definitely provide insight to that sort of person to just be like this is a very fast changing industry it is so inclusive and it's important to keep that inclusivity yeah i, I just think like as you're mentioning where just like representation and stuff where um like in the main circuit there's like very rare i guess to see a girl on like a top like tier two team or something like that so i think it's like a really really good environment to like improve and like inspire other girls to play and i think and a really good example of that is like like the dsg team that just played this vct i i haven't seen that much hype for like a roster and more influx i guess of like people commenting on like uh women in gaming and i think that was just like such a a really really awesome thing that got to happen with like that dsg team i think so many people are going to try to compete and want to compete now after seeing like the people that they look up to like competing as well. So I, I think that was like super, super awesome. Basically, yeah, I totally agree with Lacey in, in terms of that exposure because there are so many players who also sort of hesitate to come into the scene that I've also spoken to. Um, I was a coach briefly for two servers that um, are mainly women's servers, Galerance and Valorance Angels. And there were quite a few players who would come to me just like, I'm too scared to join the Game Changers or the you know, VCT scene because of like my gender, my identity. And that's something that is getting slowly fixed as time comes along, but it's something that, you know, needs the support of the public as well. And, you know, it's, it's a change that's happening slowly but surely, but, you know, I think providing support as well for people to know this is a really, really important step forward for esports as a whole. Yeah, like in general. Having players feel more comfortable to join Game Changers, huge part. 
Right. And since we were on the topic of DSG, I just wanted to spill a little bit of information about it just because of how important it was. I know Starry and Callie, we were talking about this before we actually clicked record. When Disguised Toast revealed on March 27th that the Valorant team for DSG would be an all-woman squad with streamers like Kaide, Quarter J, Sydney, and Tenzin, Tupperware. It, it was a it was a huge thing and a lot of people had different opinions about it. Some people were hyped, but it also received a lot of backlash just because most of the players were content creators and they weren't exactly labeled as professional players. This stream did gain over 62,000 viewers in comparison to Valorant America's uh, 27,000 viewership. I just wanted to talk a little bit about what you think about that backlash, having different opinions about it not having pro players on it. Well, I actually think that what Disguise Toasted was really smart. And I get the argument that people were saying where they could have given exposure to a team, like a free agent team that's been practicing with like um, pro players, like an already pre-established free agent team. And although that is true, you have to think of like the bigger picture with like people like Quarter J, Tenzin, Kaide, like they're huge role models and like putting them in the spotlight and having them show like a lot more people that girls can compete and that the game changer scene is a safe space and that you can have fun and compete and be competitive at the same time just brings in so much more viewership that in the end, it will bring more light to all these free agent teams too. And I feel like people didn't really like see that big picture when they were really thinking about it. They were like, why well, already give exposure to like these big streamers? But you have to also consider like these big streamers are bringing their viewers in and they're bringing their other people's like perspectives into the game changer scene that just benefits the scene as a whole. And it will bring light to the whole scene. So I think like the backlash, I think, was just misplaced. I don't think people really understood like the depth of it and like. Because as you mentioned before, like the viewership for just this open qualifiers was insane. It's like the highest that we've ever ever seen before. So like, I think people just at the moment just like thought about it a little too fast. Yeah, I mean, I think building on kind of what Starry said, it, having a, a roster full of like his friends is, you know, it was it was smart because I mean, again, like money is a very real thing. Sometimes you can't really pay everyone um and he is already probably paying a lot for his his challengers league roster but i think on a bigger picture realizing that the fact that he brought in a team that like a lot of people are calling a clout team for series one is is really big because you know you're bringing in this huge roster that um this this huge roster and this big amount of like viewership um the words aren't flowing right now um but you know you're bringing all this in and then people realize wait this is series one like there's still two more to go and, and you're building up the viewership at the beginning of the year. Um, like I could understand if there was backlash over him, you know, bringing in a roster like this at like a series three where people were like, Oh, well, you know, if you aren't, aren't you going to try to make a push towards the end or something, but like kind of building it up for the whole year and bringing in this huge amount of viewership, I feel like was actually a really good um, thing. And, um, Starry pointed out like the, the the viewership on the qualifiers and and normally the open qualifiers don't normally get um a lot of viewership because uh, like a lot of the matches are pretty set in stone um you know one seed beats four seed two seeds beat two seed beats three seed um just because of you know how many teams there are um but like 
I just think that you know getting sixty two thousand plus another twenty seven plus another you know on the other watch parties is is huge for the scene. Um, but but Lacey, I wonder, um, or uh, Crave, I think you wanted to add on that. Yeah, I mean, thinking also statistically, this whole process that Disguised had done it brought in traction for the right and the wrong reasons. And that ultimately led people, even the non-believers, to think about this process, to think about women in gaming, to think about the game changes in esports industry rapidly changing. And most of these free agent teams, they don't have high tier creators like Kai Day and the rest of the DSG game changers roster. And having these high tier creators just leverages the exposure, the thought process, and the interest to a whole new level because these creators they have a very large following and a base, and this is going to really reach the right audiences and ultimately the wrong audiences as well. There was controversy as we'd seen, but that comes with a very high reward, especially for the tournament itself. Like, I give massive props to DSG for managing to make this such a good decision because ultimately just, yes, the statistics were high, but also thinking even deeper to the statistics, people are able to start thinking who was who were against this industry as a whole or who didn't really know about this industry or want to go into gaming. It's an inspiring story. I kind of wanted to build off of this conversation of like bringing in personalities into to Game Changers because I know Star used to stream quite a bit. Lace, I, I know you were doing the co-stream for the Miss Harvey Invitational. A lot of people were able to kind of see your personality and like, um, especially in the VCT, you see a lot of like the personalities being highlighted in the front. Like, um, ben Kai getting to put on like go on the desk and stuff like that or like just the personality of Boaster um, and how people can kind of fall in love with not only the players but the personalities of the players like you know the stuff outside of the gameplay outside of the server it's gonna be maybe for two make it a third Sonda takes them over the line you festival meanwhile has slipped the net liquid need to have their heads on a swivel nobody on site needs to challenge until festival makes a move here and that's gonna be it naxi will fall that's the viper will remove i think it's really important for game changers to kind of like create their own personalities and stream and like put out content because like not only do you want to be taken seriously like as a competitor but i feel like you also want to show that you're human and you know like the fans out there people who like support you they like will connect with you more and support you more when they have something to relate with you and like they'll kind of humanize you a little bit more than just seeing you as somebody who should just be good at the game to be like wow this person like has a personality like this person is funny like they want to watch you and support you more you know yeah i mean time zones aside and the 4am wake up times i mean g has been a really impressive opportunity and the way that they do business in terms of getting content creators and players onto teams it's very impressive because they are allowing for exposure for females males any content creator player around the world even because they are quite literally global esports and here i am uh, across the world for them they have done quite an impressive job of you know bringing in the lower tier not even lower tier the lower um interaction players and creators if that makes any sense and they really just try to leverage them up with as many resources as they can possibly provide and the accommodations and being able to really provide for their their players and treat them like family, even myself, it's very impressive to see that organizations are really putting in their time and effort as well because 
you know, with the release of the Game Changers roster for us that they had released last month, it definitely caused a bit of controversy for a few Indian fans. You know, they were a little bit like, why, why is there a female team happening here? And it's a bit of a shock to see. While I do understand where they're coming from, it's not something that they usually would see, but it's a good start in changing the way that people perceive the esports industry, as I've pretty much been saying, especially in Asia Pacific, because there's also a disparity in skill and general you know, resources that you have with NA and Asia Pacific as a whole. You know, some regions don't really have that level where they can expand as much as they, they should or deserve. So, I mean, speaking about that, you know, between GE giving us that exposure and me being an underrepresented uh, identity, both being a white female coach in a roster, it's something that is a very underrepresented por portion, at least, of any roster. Um, you know, just based on males mainly taking coaching staff, there have been so many coaches that I've seen, me, Potter, um, you know, there's also been a few f free agent teams in NA who have just taken over the coaching sector. And that's really impressive because, you know, it's slowly becoming a notable part to how we're, you know, changing the game. I mean, that's the podcast name and they're changing the game of how things generally work. They're changing the processes to make exposure happen, to make players have what they deserve and the coaching staff to also have the exposure as well. Yeah, and Kraif, you're a coach yourself and we have two players in this call as well. I just wanted to hear a little bit from both Lacey and Starry because they're players, how they kind of adapt to your situation. Mm, one thing that like really surprised me about esports or at least like in Valorant is like it's a lot different than traditional sports, I guess. Like I used to play a lot of volleyball and it was like... <laughs> it, the coach to player relationship was was much different than in like this kind of this kind of game or environment i guess like in in traditional sports it's more like whatever your coach says goes i guess but in valorant it's more of like an open discourse that like between like the player and the coach so i think it it's really really fun to like work with different coaches and see like their perspective on the game cuz like no one's always 100% right in in valorant like there's so many things you can do so you know, talking to like a lot of different people and like, uh, again, like the diversity, like having a lot of different perspectives in a team is like super important in my opinion. Uh, I, I love working with coaches. Like I think everyone has like really, really good takes on the game. So I, I, I've really, really had a good experience working with a lot of different coaches. Starry, you also IGL'd, correct me if I'm wrong, but you IGL'd for Xset and you recently played with Generators and Game Changers. So. I wanted to talk a little bit about your recent work as well as an analyst for VCL. Yeah, so I had the opportunity to work as an analyst and that was really, really fun for me. I love spending time like really analyzing the game. I, obviously, like as an IGL, you spend a lot of time like watching VODs, like looking at different strats, different comps, different teams and their play styles. So being able to like be on the desk and like talk, actually like talk about it and give my input was like really fun for me. And going back to like the coaching thing, I agree with Lace too, because like I played volleyball for years and I agree with it when like, and Lace says like the coach is like kind of their word is like absolute. Like you just kind of like listen to what goes. But being like a player and uh, having a coach, you just kind of like work together and you come up with ideas together and like. They obviously, while watching scrims, will see different things than you do, and they'll be able to kind of provide a different type of insight because the game is like not one dimensional. There are so many different comps and agents and like 
different ways to like combo your util that like this game is so different and everyone sees it in such a different way that you're just constantly learning. Lace, you're one of the longest tenured players under an organization in Game Changers and you're only 18 years old. What is competing like for you, especially with complexity? It's honestly been like a pretty crazy ride, I would say. Um, uh, yeah, I think like it's been such a good experience with complexity. They've like always believed in me and like wanted to build me up and like support me as best as possible. So I have like nothing but good things to say about complexity. Um, but yeah, it's definitely, I feel like in anything in life, there's always ups and downs. And I think that's true for like this GX3 roster. There's been so many like changes and like hard times, you know, losses, all of that stuff. But I, I really do appreciate like the orgs, like endless support kind of for our roster and like game changers as a whole. So I think like complexity is like a great example of like what an org can be, right? To support their players, like no matter what. Also like they recently started like a tournament circuit for for GC and yeah, I think like complexity is a great example of like uh, a really really supportive org. I don't know if you guys saw, but CLG they recently let go of the organization. What at least from my understanding of what I've seen, um, NRG bought out the entirety of CLG um, for the league for their league spot, um, and then dissolved kind of basically the rest of it um so a lot of people were let go from clg um as we are currently in that esports winter that everyone's talking about um and like basically the red brand which is one of the most i feel like recognizable brands at least as far as like women's esports goes um still has a lot of support staff around it but um the whole context is just basically that energy bought out for a league spot and then the rest of the organization is just kind of gone at this point. This is an update from Future Saki and the Change the Game podcast jumping in and intervening. A little bit of an update for CLG Red, co-owner of Moist Esports, Lugwig, announced that Moist Esports has signed the former CLG Red Valorant Game Changers team and that Ludwig is going to pay them a salary for the tournament that they're going to enter in and try to find them a home in which they can belong in and begin playing as per usual. Honestly, it's so heartbreaking because like I said before, like in Counter-Strike, one of like the big dominating names used to be like CLG Red. And I used to look up to like all those girls and like even in Valorant, they like not even in Valorant in every game, like they've established such a good culture and inclusivity especially for women in gaming. So like having them kind of be dissolved and gone is like kind of really heartbreaking, but it also kind of gives the reality of esports and like all these layoffs with these big orgs, like the guard and like hundred thieves, like them all having like huge layoffs. Kind of like puts esports into perspective. Money is kind of bleeding. The economy is like not that great. So it's like, kind of scary for esports right now but i'm like kind of hopeful that like things will change hopefully orgs will learn to like make you know their stuff more profitable for themselves be able to like utilize their players correctly for branding purposes and like bring in more sponsors yeah it is pretty sad to hear about that because you you see all of these players all of these content creators finding a space where they can build themselves in an organization and for CLG to be bought out and some players to be let go. It's a sad sight to see, especially since 
they also help change the game and build a community around them. Now, for all of you in this call, I wanted to ask you, how are you changing the game individually and as a group? Um, <laughs> you know what? I have always done a, a few things. Number one, when I was coaching individual players or I would hear, you know, oh, my brother is not really cool about the female in gaming concept and you know, the whole general esports industry, me playing Valorant, and I was like, let me sit down and have a talk with him. And this was one of my specific old players as well. And I sit down with the brother and I'm just, we have a good two hour chat and I'm just like, hey man, this is an incredible scene so far. You know, I've heard that you've watched your sister play a few games of Valorant. It's something that she loves and something that can really turn into a very, very important and large scene in general as well. And I've tried to do this for a few people in calls as well who have been very against the whole concept and I'm just like trying to hear them out and give them a new perspective and most of the time it works, most of the time, and they can come out with a fresh perspective and a few of them ended up being GC supporters from what I've seen and those few years in esports, even before Valorant I used to do this, and I mean that was one of the many portions that I'm trying to be impactful on it and of course the second way is I am a female coach once again and that is something that a lot of people are shocked about. I came into the collegiate scene and people just had so many things to say. There were a few, um, you know, arguments with some collegiate teams where they were like, what? There's a female coach here. This is not normal. And we had so many back and forths with managements and it's just important to also provide the insight. Like, yeah, you can't change a lot of people's minds at the end of the day, but providing insight, just being there, and blocking out the hate as much as you can if that comes up. You know, it's a very, very hard thing to do. It's easier said than done, but it's something that's really important to do for the future. I'm not someone who wants to just, you know, deal with the hate and move on with it. I'm someone who wants to deal with it, ignore it, but make sure that it changes for the next person after me. Because I don't want anyone to go through, you know, any negative experience that I may have, especially in esports, where some people treat this as their home away from home. So I'm ultimately trying to create a fostered positive scene for women, for men, for anyone to express their identity however they want to and play the games that connect all of us. Because, you know, going back to the pandemic for a minute, it really locked everything down. People were inside and a lot of friendships came from this. I know all of us in this call have made so many online friends just from this industry. And it's really beautiful to see. I know so many people who wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for the pandemic, who would still be in their normal day-to-day -day jobs, who would still be in school, you know, studying even harder than before. And that is something really impressive to see, like being able to know, you know, you're making an impact in your own respective way. And it's something that I still strive to do, even when people are like, just give it up, you should be focusing on yourself. I'm like, no, this is something that you have to keep contributing to if it's your passion. And this is, this is one of my passions. That was so inspirational. I think a tear oh fell out of my eye. That was really good. How do you even follow that up? <laughs> I really see through. My mindset has always been to like leave as big of a positive impact on like the people and like the people I play with or the people in the scene. So, you know, I've I've always been like a a big advocate where like if you're in a position where you can make a change like it's like your responsibility to like help as much as possible so um i've been doing like a lot of free coaching on the side for like mostly girls that are trying to get into the competitive scene and kind of just like helping people like 
recognize that it's okay to like compete and like like it should really be encouraged right because like I don't think I would be the same person if I didn't start playing Valorant like I feel like I've learned so much I've like grown so much like um by working with people and like um improving like alongside people and I just want to make sure that like everyone is um as safe as possible and like is excited to learn and I think like Game Changers is great for that and hopefully you know I've I've helped people you know want to compete and and you know find like find their people through competing right so that's what I hope and I hope I can continue to do that as well guys I'm actually crying why is it so like motivational I feel like I can go on a run now with the vibes in here <laughs> I cannot go on a run that's for sure <laughs> we need some like oh, man. We need some elevator music. You're like, someone play Die For You. This is the day I die for you. <laughs> this could be the day I die for you. So one big thing about me that got me into the scene was obviously looking up to players on the Dignitas and CLG Red roster for Counter-Strike, which is like Goosebreeder, Emily, um, Archstar. And being able to work with Archstar was actually like really, really like a dream for me. Like I never thought that I would be competing alongside someone that I looked up to for years. And that's the type of person that I want to be for others. Like I want to be a role model for others i want to have someone to be able to like look up to you know because like for me the clg red and dignitas girls were the role models for me and i want to be the next generation of that i want to be a good role model to girls and you know just to everyone that like you can compete like you can get in the scene like you shouldn't be scared to do so and like i stream a lot and obviously on stream i'm gonna come across like really bad games with like people who are just like overall sexist or whatever and I'm very quick to stand up for myself because I kind of want to like set the expectation that like you don't have to sit there and like take that. You don't have to sit there and like be quiet about that. Like this is like a place for you to be in too. Like gaming is not only for guys, like it's for everyone. And so like I kind of want to like set that example for girls, like not to be scared, to like enjoy competing, that it's also fun and that this is like a space for everyone to be able to be in. And, you know, like I think role models are huge in this scene. Like Lace said if you're in a position to create change you should do so and like i just think that everyone in game changers all the sign players like all the pro players should continuously like show off that like we are here to stay we are creating a space for the next generation and we're going to help break that glass ceiling so the next generation of players don't have to go through as many hardships as we do to kind of like make a space in the scene right you go and go <laughs> as a male from a male perspective i'm Really glad I brought you on to the podcast to co-host with me as well. I just wanted to like see or hear your opinion on what your perspective is like. Um, well, I as a you know male and the game changers, not really in the scene, but kind of scene adjacent, I guess. I do sometimes struggle with imposter syndrome, feeling that I don't, I should not be the person that like not that not the person I am, but not be in the position that I am, but. Like the whole idea of, you know, seeing how much the scene has grown, even in just like the one year that I've been doing this, um, even though it seems like I've been, it feels sometimes that I've been doing this for a lot longer. Um, 
just seeing how how far the scene has grown where um i think when i started it was right after you know a sakura cup and then i saw a, a couple of gc um seeing so many different um like organizations take their shot at hosting a gc tournament um like the nrg neon dream tournament uh complexities paradox invitational miss harvey's tournament um seeing so much more diversity within game changers um has been really really cool to me and just meeting all of the players and kind of hearing about you know their own stories is something that keeps me kind of motivated on continuing to um just continuing to work and try and bring as much light as i can um you know just not only to the story like the stories of the players but now I've I've started working with other writers um, and I'm trying to give them a spotlight. Um, like with the series one preview that we just put out. Um, sorry, that's a shameless plug. You know, I, I tried to collaborate with a bunch of writers and some of the writers that I brought in um, were actually, you know, former players or currently players. But don't worry, I didn't let them cover their own team because that would that would be bad. But, you know, seeing that people can kind of diversify what they want to do. And, and um, you know, even though journalism is kind of a dying field, it, it's still brings me a little bit of joy to be able to bring coverage to a scene that didn't really get as much coverage. Um, and, and like, I have a sister and she, she grew up playing basketball. Um, and kind of whenever I heard like stuff about the WNBA and people talking about, Oh, they're, they're, they're bad. They can't even dunk. And it was just kind of like, it, it was annoying to me, you know, exhausting, frustrating. And, you know, kind of changing the narrative around women in all sports is kind of something that I've, I've devoted a lot of time to and just kind of seeing things grow and, and yeah, you know, we're having esports winter, but still just like, even like seeing the support around all of the XCLG red girls and, and all the staff is, you know, really crazy. And it's, it gives me hope that there's, there is improvement in the future. Absolutely. And that's what I hope to bring with this podcast for Change the Game. Esports isn't just a male-dominated industry. It's not just about playing video games, but there's more to it than that. It's all about building a community as well. Now, the last thing for all of you is, can you tell us anything about any upcoming projects or events you're involved in and where we can find you online to keep up with your gaming journey? So basically, just like shameless plug. (laughs) (laughs) I think we were just all waiting on who would go first. <laughs> I don't have any shameless plugs. Uh, game okay. changer oh on Twitter. Oh my gosh, go <laughs> stop. stop. Oh my gosh. Go check it out. Go check it out. Hi, <laughs> uh, we do have a, a. I don't know when this episode will debut. Maybe by the time you're listening to this, we might have posted a main event preview with some other writers as well. Um, for you know the 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 main event of Game Changer Series One, um, if you're reading or if you're listening to this and you're a writer and you'd like to write, hit me up because I'm always looking for more writers because there's only so much that I can do as a one person student. Big shout out to Starry, the first interview I ever did under GC Report. Aww, so thank Wait. you for that. <laughs> wow, it, it comes full circle. Like, was it like last April? Yeah, it was, it was a while ago. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, about a year ago. So thanks for kickstarting my career-ish. Uh, still working on the 
money part of it. But yeah, <laughs> thank you for that. Big preach. Now, Starry, where can we find you? Just follow all my socials at StarryVun. <laughs> I'm pretty much live on Twitch almost every day. I tweet pretty frequently. So for me, um, my future is TBD. I am looking for a team right now. So I guess just like follow my social media to see my journey. <laughs> I am actually working on a new series, which is a little bit under wraps right now, but I will mention it uh, for future analysis for any aspiring pro players or anyone just looking to sit around and get some analytical insight from Valorant in general, which is firing up over on my Twitch, CryfG. And uh, we'll see how that goes. But otherwise, I will say G fighting. Um, globally, sports <laughs> all the way for us. We're, we're starting our Game Changers series to journey shortly. So, yeah. Um, I'm on Twitter um, at like AKA and then Lace with like a four. I know it's cringe. But we're competing next week in Game Changers 1 main event. So any support would be appreciated. I, I always, you know, read back chat and I appreciate everyone that, that comes and supports. So, yeah. Uh, hopefully, you know, we do well. <laughs> Thank I'll well. be there. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you all for your time to talk with me about Change the Game. Um, I truly appreciate it. Thank you, Saki. No, thank you. Hey, <laughs> thank, thank you. you. <laughs> Saki, how are you changing the game? Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Wait, we, can, we can't be doing <laughs> that. Or, we can't be doing you. that right now. Yeah, where can we Whoa. find you? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, if you insist, you can find me on at ReactTang on Twitter, TikTok, and Twitch. But most importantly, you can find the Pony Pod on the daily campus. The shameless plug thing isn't. It's kind of nerve-wracking, actually. It's like, do, no do, I, do I plug? Like, shame, I, I felt shamed. That was a shame plug for me. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, thank you all for your time. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you. Well, that's everything that we have for you gamers. Thanks for listening to this episode of Change the Game. Stay tuned for the following episodes and keep your eyes out for some names you may know. Follow us on Instagram at SMU Daily Campus and Twitter and Facebook at The Daily Campus. Until next time, pony up. This episode of The Pony Pod is sponsored by Kitchen United Mix. Order now through kitchenunited.com and use code SMU22 to get $10 off your purchase of $20 or more. The Pony Pod is also supported by Advance ER and North Park Center.